Hello and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to introduce to you now. Sean Wells is the world's leading nutritional biochemist and expert on health optimization. He has formulated over 500 supplements, food products, beverages, and cosmeticals, patented head novel ingredients, and is now known as the ingredientologist, the scientist of ingredients. Formerly a chief clinical dietitian with over a decade of clinical experience, he has counseled thousands of people on innovative health solutions, such as keto, paleo, fasting, and supplements. He has also personally overcome various health issues, including Epstein-Barr virus, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, depression, insomnia, obesity, and a pituitary tumor. As a world-renowned thought leader on mitochondrial health, he has been paid to speak on five different continents. His insights have been prominently featured in documentaries and podcasts like Ben Greenfield and regularly on morning television. His best-selling book, The Energy Formula, has been recognized by both USA Today and Forbes, as well as an Amazon bestseller in multiple categories. Sean Wells, wow. (laughs) Welcome to Boundless Body. So cool to have you. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be on and and talk shop with you. Man, it's awesome. Hearing your personal story and all the things that you've gone through, how many lives have you lived, man? Holy smokes. (laughs) You've gone through a lot in your life. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been a long windy road, but it's, what's given me my passion. It's what's given me my enthusiasm to help others, my empathy to connect with others. And I'm grateful for that passion. Wow. Yeah, that's really great. I am just about to finish up your book. I could not love this thing any more than I do. I mean, you and I down to like, you know, eating and movement and nutrition and grounding and sunshine and even down to like, you know, the four agreements or the brand of salt you use, the brand of shoes we use is all very, very similar. So I'm really loving your work, but I do want to go back and tell your personal story just a little bit and how you kind of moved through the world and and learned the things that you learned and gave you that experience that you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I mean, I I grew up in a in a chaotic home, and I I grew up bullied and and uh, really had a low self esteem, and um, ended up becoming morbidly obese and a, a junk food junkie, and and then uh, getting into college, um, I really kind of. Uh, I did well with grades and uh, my undergrad was in marketing and, and I'm very passionate about branding and still do a lot of work in branding in supplements, food and beverage. But uh, I was struggling to, you know, really be someone that had a, a quality social life that had a high self-esteem um, and ended up like, uh, you know, really digging into like some supplements and like using things like ephedrine and caffeine and then working out and using creatine and and all these kinds of things and and i transformed my body significantly and i ended up going to my doctor and he was flabbergasted about how much i had changed my body and i was so excited about all these supplements i was reading all these magazines i read this uh, book by dr michael colgan optimum sports nutrition. And he was talking about studies and ingredients and amino acid cocktails and all this stuff. And I was telling my doctor about it and he could see how excited I was. And I was about halfway through my business degree. And uh, he ended up drawing out this lifeline for me and said, why not be happy between here and here? And 
it was something that he didn't have to tell me, uh, certainly not part of his job, but it like totally changed my life path. And I decided at that point I would finish up my business degree, which I was still passionate about and actually get a minor in chemistry and then go back to school, get all the prereqs I needed and uh, get my degree, my master's in uh, nutrition and biochemistry Mm. to be a formulator because I was like literally hanging out in like GNCs and, you know, these supplement shops for, you know, four plus hours, just reading all the labels, reading the books. Like, you know, I was in there more than a lot of these employees. And then I ended up working at them. (laughs) So it was just, it was just an obsession. And, and, uh, I, I was working out a ton too, and, and really again, transformed my body. And so I finished up my degree, uh, at Babson, a, a top business specialty school, and then got into uh, UNCG, which uh, UNC Greensboro, to to work on getting the classes for my master's. Uh, and it was going to be over two years of 24 credit hours a semester of just pure sciences, uh, a really brutal path to try and get into to Chapel Hill, which was my dream school and a top nutrition school and a top school in the school of medicines and, and all that. So, uh, interestingly, when I was looking to get in there, uh, a guidance counselor, uh, really sent me down a different path. Like he would, he told me, um, you're a business student, you're going to fail and you'll fail miserably and you're not even in good shape. And I left, yeah, I left there crying and, uh, and almost killed myself that night. And that stuck with me that, you know, this one doctor changed my life and, and gave me my, literally gave me my life path. Like I wouldn't be who I am at all without this guy saying that to me. And at the same time, like this other guy, I almost killed myself. Wow. But, you know, it also strengthened my resolve. Obviously I didn't kill myself. And I was like, you know, F this guy, I'm going to like do this. And I'm going to think of him every day. Like, uh, to be honest, hate fueled me for the next two years. Mm. And I literally thought about this guy and what he said every single day when people wanted, you know, and I put everything on my credit card. I'm like, no, I'm doing this. Like, and when people were like, Hey, I want to go out drinking. You want to go out and party. You want to go out and do this, go do that. I was like, no, no, I got work to do. And I ended up getting straight A's getting into Chapel Hill um, and I was on my way. So, you know, it ended up working out on my behalf, but I've always thought about the power of my words ever since those two guys, for sure. Um, but yeah, I got into my dream school, UNC Chapel Hill, working on my master's in nutrition, um, with a minor in, uh, um, exercise sports science and, uh, going to get my RD certification as well, registered dietitian, about halfway through my second year that I ended up getting Epstein-Barr virus, chronic fatigue syndrome, Hashimoto's, fibromyalgia. I couldn't get out of bed for six months, couldn't go to class, uh, really struggled uh, for quite a while, like just in in pain, inflamed, um, thinking my life was over, again, contemplating suicide. And luckily... I was, you know, while I was at home, 
and I started digging into uh, the ketogenic diet. And this was over 20 years ago. And um, I saw some guys on some message boards, like having good results with some of these autoimmune conditions. And I decided to dig into that and also take some immune supplements and, and uh, kind of shift from my sports nutrition supplementation to immune health. And, uh, and that changed everything. I ended up being able to get out of bed, get back to real life, uh, get back to finishing up my degree. And uh, I got my RD, um, got my master's in nutrition biochemistry, um, ended up uh, working in hospitals and nursing homes, acute and skilled uh, nursing facilities. Um, and I did that for the next 10 years or so. And all of my nights, evenings and holidays were spent uh, on message boards or at trade shows for supplement companies, mm. even though I was very passionate about, you know, working in, in these hospitals and nursing homes and these clinical environments as a dietitian. Um, I also was very passionate about still getting on in the supplement industry, but, you know, to everyone around me, it just seemed like a pipe dream and just, you know, they knew I'd love supplements, knew about supplements, talked about supplements. And I repped, you know, companies on their message boards. Uh, I helped companies do write-ups and I was getting little things here and there. And I even got some formulations out there that I had done for companies, but no one actually ever paid me. You know, I'd get paid in supplements and things like that. I was just happy to be working in this industry. And, you know, I'd spend like, you know, three, four days at the Arnold or the Olympia, like setting up booths and just being like a, a low guy on the totem pole. And uh, eventually, I ended up getting uh, a call from a company called Dimatize Sports Nutrition Company in Dallas. And uh, they were interested in my work and they had seen me around. They liked my scientific prowess, the, the, the products that I had put out there and the, and the you know, citations I had, my clinical background. And they wanted to you know, take this company to sale. Um, you know, in the next three years. And so they wanted like a conservative path forward with someone who was a formulator and ended up going through about six months of, of interviews and, and getting hired on um, as their director of R&D. And it was really my dream job. Like now I was finally working as a formulator. I had realized my dreams in the supplement industry. Um, but here again, like I, I ended up working about 80 hours a week, not eating so great, not sleeping so great, uh, getting away from the things that, you know, I knew made me healthy because I was just going so extreme. I wanted to prove myself. And uh, within two years, I had um, super low testosterone. I was getting skinny fat. I was getting really bad headaches, uh, had zero libido. And ended up going to the doctor and getting some scans done, some blood work done. Um, I had a brain tumor, a, a, a pituitary adenoma um, with massively elevated levels of prolactin. Um, had to work on that. And now I was starting to research brain health and longevity and get into those type of supplements and mitochondrial health. And so like all my conditions, if you will, kind of led to my passions of like, you know, I'm going to look into this, you know, and like I started 
really moving, even though Diamondtize was a sports nutrition company, um, by that time I had already really moved on from sports nutrition because like, um, for me, it was no longer about aesthetics. There was a clinical side of me, um, that really cared about, um, you know, disease pathology. I really was interested in immune health and anti-aging and brain health and some of these disease etiologies. And, um, I wasn't so much interested in sports nutrition as the years went on. And I ended up getting, um, uh, hired after we sold to post, uh, for 425 million, uh, that made me like a hot property as like a, a formula, a formulator and, uh, someone in the industry of supplements that could help sell a company. And so BioTrust brought me on and, uh, we grew that company to 150 million a year, wow. uh, direct to consumer. And, um, and really like BioTrust was the first big direct to consumer company in supplements. And, and we had just a slew of amazing products that we put through academic research. I was their chief scientific officer there, uh, heading up branding, uh, quality control, R and D supply chain, um, and regulatory. And so, uh, really transformed, um, that company. And then after that, uh, started really working for just a number of companies in the industry as, uh, as owner of my own company's own halo formulations of which I have hired, uh, numerous people onto now, and, and we help companies scale and, um, you know, I work with equity stakes and, and help them go to sale and, and get royalties and, and products I develop. And one thing I forgot to mention is that uh, I started really getting into uh, novel ingredients, my own ingredients. And I came out with t cream and Dynamine, um, patented those with a team. And uh, those have now been put into about 700 products uh, for energy ingredients. And since then, I've patented about 15 ingredients. And uh, I work with a team called Ingenious Ingredients. One partner's in China, owns a 400,000 square foot facility, over 100 scientists. Um, and then my other two partners, Dr. Martin Perpura, Dr. Ralph Yeager, um, done more than 50 studies in supplements and pharmaceuticals. Uh, help me do the intellectual property and, and study design. And so uh, I've realized my dreams and then some, it's kind of a, it's a crazy path. Like it's, it's kind of mind blowing that like, you know, I was a poor kid. I was a, I was a, you know, a traumatized kid. I, I was um, morbidly obese that I had all these autoimmune issues. I had anorexia at one point, I went from 300 pounds to 150 pounds. Wow. Um, you know, that, um, I literally like went several years, like without, uh, working and, and no money. And, um, you know, went through some really dark days with, um, you know, being, being abused by, by people that were around me. Um, and just to look at and, and suicidal thoughts and depression throughout a bunch of that to really realizing all these dreams and becoming what I had always hoped. And then times 10, wow. like it's, just, it's already been like a charmed life for me. Like if I accomplish no more, 
from here on out, like I would feel blessed, like really, really blessed. <laughs> that's amazing. I, I don't think that's very likely to happen, but um, that is an amazing mm-hmm. place to arrive at in life. I think understanding your personal history and everything you've been through really explains how that book became so comprehensive. It covers so many different things because you've experienced so many different things. And you landed on the title, The Energy Formula. I'm curious to know how energy, the concept, the word, came into your consciousness and became something that you really wanted to focus on? Yeah. I mean, that has a lot to do with my life, right? Like just the depression, the obesity, the uh, trauma that I was living with, um, you know, laying in bed for six months in pain and inflamed, Um, you know, and when you're depressed, like you just don't even want to get out of bed, your body doesn't function well. Um, All these health issues, the brain tumor, um, my life was a struggle for energy. And then I ended up studying mitochondrial health, specifically mitochondrial dysfunction and having insufficient cellular energy states, ICE as uh, the acronym. And then in the brain, it's called brain energy gap. And I was studying why this is and how I can improve that. How do I get around that? How do I get my energy back? And some of it revolves around you know, addressing mental health. And some of it revolved around diet, like keto, paleo, and intermittent fasting. And some of it's hormetic stressors, like cold plunges and red light and all the things that I go through in my book. But certainly supplements have played a role in that, in improving mitochondrial function, improving uh, energy output. And and that was a, a pivotal piece of this whole energy formula, but also I liked how I was trying to come up with an acronym uh, for all these different pieces. Like when I was looking at, you know, okay, blood work, um, genetic testing, gut microbiome and and bioindividuality and experimentation. And then I was looking at, okay, you know, there's nutrition, there's paleo, there's keto, there's carnivore, there's vegan you know, looking at all the Mediterranean, all the different diets. So that's nutrition and obviously exercise and high intensity interval training, blood flow restriction, um, intraset stretching, all these cool techniques. How does that compare to low intensity, steady state? Um, And then looking at routines and circadian rhythm and, um, you know, having a stoic, resilient mind and and the growth mindset. And then obviously having people around you, the right people to challenge you and build you up and, you know, your tribe. And then I ended up just playing around with this whole idea of like, well, what if I have like these hallmarks, these, these uh, pillars, if you will, to build around, like to make chapters out of. And then it just came to me that like, oh my God, I think I can make the word energy out of this. <laughs> and it just, it just clicked. Like, it was like, this is like, literally I've spent my life in pursuit of having a life with more energy of more resilient, more vibrant life. And these hallmarks just clicked and the order that they go in is so perfect. It literally goes from like, you know, giving them what they want to giving them what they need. Like it starts out the most scientific and, you know, like with, with the experiment, nutrition, exercise, but as it goes, like, as it gets into like routines, growth and your tribe, like 
it really evolves and, and you start feeling out my story and then your own story as I'm, as I'm trying to lead you down this path of, of living a more resilient life. And it just kind of flows beautifully, I think. Um, but I ended up rewriting that whole book. Like I actually read the book. I finished it. And I read it in L.A., I read it myself. And that is a hard, hard thing to do, by the way. <laughs> um, and I read it and I finished it and I was like, that's a B plus. And then I was like, is that good enough? And I didn't I didn't feel like it was good enough. Like I didn't feel there was like enough flow, enough connection, enough of my story in it. Like and I didn't want too much story, but I, I wanted to tell a little bit of my personal a connection to each one of these things like that I'm telling you. And so that it, it makes more sense of like why I feel this to be true beyond just the science. And I wanted like each of the chapters to kind of flow together and, and read like a great story instead of just be super sciencey. And um, I ended up rewriting about 30, 40% of it. Wow. <laughs> and it pushed it back probably about five or six months and then rereading it. And I felt like it was an A plus at that point. So I am super proud of how it all evolved. It was not an easy process at all, but it all happened during COVID. Also during a period of time that I was doing plant medicine work and really evolving as a human being and working through a lot of my own traumas. So I'm just proud of like the, the final product there. Yeah, well, you really should be, man. It does flow very, very well. I, I love that you, you know, took what was your first product and ended up refining it. Um, I, it it's a great book, and and you're so non-dogmatic about it. it. It feels like a suggestion book. Like, here's some things that you can try, and it's not that you have to do all of these things in this book that you're suggesting. It's just go try it. See what works for you. Diet, um, you know, the grounding, the breathing. Um, it, it's, it's all really great stuff and, and comes across as something that, that can be helpful and, and gives – the listener, I had to listen to it on Audible, and I so appreciate that you did the voiceover on that. Um, but it gives it gives the reader or the listener different options of things that they can play with. And I'm, I'm curious to hear if you would think the same thing. For most people that come to me and say, I want to lose weight, I want to lose fat, I want to increase muscle, maybe they want to do those things. But I think what they're really trying to say is they want more energy in their life. Would you agree with that? Exactly. No, that's exactly. Like, when I boiled everything down, like, what is it like, you know, some people, like you said, some people want like more sex, more attention, more cars, more things, more vacations, more time away, more connection with friends, with family. Like, like what's at the heart of all of that? And I really feel like it's more energy, more happy, if you will. And, uh, and, and that's what came up for me. Like that, that was exactly it. And that's what moved the needle to me naming it the energy formula and it just being this acronym because like I said like I knew what it was like to be you know the opposite of limitless like whatever that is like to just feeling like I didn't want to continue with life um I didn't even mention that I I had at one point a really bad car accident um uh really intense pain um degenerative disc disease in my neck uh, with multiple discs. I ended up getting a surgery with two cervical um, disc replacements, titanium discs. And again, I was, I was working at Dymatize, but I was in bed, you know, as soon as I would get home, 
just wow. at five o'clock, I would just go straight to bed. And this was like, I was working 80 hours a week up until this point. But once I got the surgery, I thought my life was over. Like I thought it was going to be so much better. And the pain from it was so much worse that I, I wasn't sure I could continue with life. And I deeply regretted getting the surgery. And it was just an odd thing about six months in, like I yawned and like my whole skull shifted and, and literally I felt about 50% better. And then I was able to kind of move on from there. But up until that point, uh, I had really wondered like if I would kind of like when I was stuck in bed, like if I'd be able to contribute to society, if I would have a functional life. And I just, I deeply understand, like when I worked in nursing homes and saw people in bed all day, every day, when I saw people in pain and I've lived with pain and inflammation, it's hard. It's hard to like want to live life, to go out and be friendly, to have real relationships when you're just struggling in pain. And uh, I have so much empathy for that. And I've, I've been there. I've been to the to the dark edge or to the abyss. And, and energy is certainly a huge part of bouncing back from all that. Mm. Yeah, that's so cool, man. What a great story. Um, I, I think for the average American, if you were to suggest some of the things that you suggest in the book, especially if you take all of them collectively, for most people, the average American that we see, that's probably going to be a significant amount of change that they're going to need to make in their life. And we both know that change is hard, but I would argue that the upside makes it worth it to implement some of these things. And so I want to ask, like, what are some of the magic that you feel like a normal day of feeling this like constant, almost like endless flow of boundless energy. Can you describe what that is like to hopefully like motivate somebody to maybe make these changes? Oh my goodness. I mean, you know, purpose is a big part of that. And, and finding your, your tribe is a big part of that and having that connection. So when you look at these blue zones where people live so long, they have those things. They have community and they have connection and they slow down. And yes, they eat healthy food and may drink wine or whatever, but it's so much of it is them having purpose. And, and so much of people dying so early after they retire is that they lack the purpose and they lack the connection anymore. And so when you take that purpose away with a, with a, you know, their, their career and you stop having them socialize as much, they die. And that's why those things are so critical. Um, the number one predictor in the Harvard study, that's the, the longest running study and the most robust study out there, it's now 80 plus years running, um, of longevity is quality of relationships. And so that is a massive component of this. So just, you know, before I get into like what it feels like, you need to have those things. And I can tell you what it feels like when you're depressed, when you're alone, when you're uh, isolated, when you feel like you're worthless, you have zero energy. So a big part of this is finding ways to, to elevate your worth, to do meditation, to do the mantras, to do the vision board, to have purpose, to get the right people around you, to get in a mastermind, to get into some clubs or some meetups or, you know, play some sports with other people. These kinds of things are so critical. Um, 
So that is at the heart to me and more important than the nutrition and the, you know, experimentation and blood work than the exercise and all that stuff. All those things are amazing. But if you don't have purpose and you don't have connection, uh, your life is, is going to be a struggle and you won't have much energy. Mm. And I can, I can say that with a fact with, with studies. I mean, it's just so critical. And so I wake up knowing my purpose. I am the world's greatest formula uh, formulator. I'm the ingredientologist. I have real purpose. I know what I'm supposed to do. I help people every day. I come up with new formulas. I come up with new ingredients. I help companies with, with branding and help them go to sale. Uh, I'm just excited every day. I get to be creative every day. And I live a life of of being energized. And yes, I exercise and I ground and I cold plunge and I do red light and I I eat paleo and keto and do intermittent fasting and all the things I go through in my book and take all these cool supplements. But at the heart of it is the stuff that I'm talking about that's towards the end of the book. Uh, and, you know, having that stoic mind, you know, which is in the, the, the growth chapter, that's that growth mindset where the obstacle is the way that's how you become resilient is you find out that it's not about shortcuts around the obstacle it's not about having no obstacle it's about realizing that the obstacle is the way and in that obstacle you gain your strength and you find your purpose Mm. and that changed everything for me Well, while we're on the topic, Bethany and I have both taken a a very big deep dive into stoicism this year, and it has been an absolute game changer for us. And I'm curious to know if there's any other techniques, stoic techniques that have really helped you along your way. Yeah, that's a, wow, that's a good question. Um, I would say that uh, it's really important to challenge your brain and to have that resilient mindset means um, a more neuroplastic brain state means a a fluid intelligence versus crystallized intelligence. And how you achieve that is by taking on new tasks. If you want to be more neuroplastic, if you want to have a faster, more malleable brain that can respond more resilient more resiliently to new stresses, to new things that come up, to these hormetic stresses, even like the the cold plunges and fasting and whatever, then a huge part of that is getting more neuroplastic. And that means doing things that are a little outside of your comfort zone. And that means doing things like you know, putting on your pants, the opposite leg, putting on your shoes, the opposite foot, brushing your uh, hair, your teeth with the opposite hand, taking a different way to work, learning a new language or instrument, um, traveling more, going to different restaurants, surrounding yourself with unique and interesting people, people that think differently from you, talk differently from you, have different religions and political views than you. That's very important to stay neuroplastic. And we tend to, as we get older, get more and more and more in the box. And that's that's crystallized intelligence. 
And while that has some value that we can become hardwired and faster and faster and faster at certain tasks, we also need to remain more neuroplastic, increase these levels of BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor, so that we can take on these new tasks better. And I think that's at the heart of um, the idea of staying more stoic Hmm. is these challenges, right? Like these healthy challenges to you so that when stuff really comes up, things really go down, that you have a greater what's called allostatic load. And allostatic load is your stress capacity. And you can think of your stress capacity as like a bucket. And when you're more resilient physiologically and you're more resilient in your brain, then you can grow that bucket and you have a greater capacity for stress. And these people that, you know, seem so cool under fire, I don't know, Tom Brady or, you know, Michael Jordan or whoever it is, they have a high allostatic load. They've taken on these challenges again and again and again, and they're okay with failure. Are the, the greatest champions are the greatest at failing. Mm. And if you're not comfortable with failing, you will never be a champion or great at what you do. Mm. Tom Brady lost a lot of Super Bowls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he went went in like the, I don't know, sixth, seventh, eighth round of the draft or, you know, whatever. I mean, yeah. you know, that's that's the way it is. And, you know, Michael Jordan didn't make his high school team. His brother was better than him. You know, all these different things. Uh, I mean, you know, that's what makes a champion a champion. You the, the obstacle was the way for them. Right. Mm, yeah. No, you know, it rarely is the guy that's the number one pick in the draft that, you know, is genetically perfect, blah, blah, blah. I was just watching a documentary on Mike Tyson. I mean, you know, that guy came up school of hard knocks and then he lost, you know, his his surrogate father, Customato, and, you know, went through a lot of adversity. And, you know, that creates a champion. It's either going to break you or make you. Mm. And so you if you want to be really good at what you do. You have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm, that's great. My wife and I bought um, a handbook for new Stoics, and we each have a copy, and it gives us a weekly exercise to do. And a few weeks ago, it was that exact thing that you mentioned. I had to find something that was going to make me moderately uncomfortable, and I had to do it every single day and write about my experiences. And for me, I was starting to get a bit lazy in the mornings, and I wasn't getting out of bed soon enough. I would sit there and, you know, do stupid stuff you're not supposed to do, like play on your phone and whatever. And I just decided like that week, I'm going to get up out of bed at a certain time and I'm going to go watch the sunset every, or the sunrise every single morning. And what an amazing week that was. And yeah, it was a little bit uncomfortable, but you're right. Like if you, you bring those uncomfortable things into your life, you, you said it perfectly. It's like more space, more things fit, less things hit your walls and bother you anymore because you're expanding in that way and growing and learning and, and all of those things. So I, I really love the growth um, chapter of your book. We've talked a lot about resilience, which is one of my favorite things to talk about. And I want you to consider the word resilience, um, based on the context of what we were talking about and what would be the opposite word to you to resilience? Fragile. Fragile. Yeah. Like the resilience means anti-fragile means harder to kill. And the opposite is fragile and easy to kill a very small allostatic load bucket where your bucket is constantly overflowing like it was for me, where just one little thing comes in 
could be anything from COVID to Epstein Barr to, you know, uh, someone saying like, hey, shut up, fat kid and whatever. And it just sends you reeling, sends you questioning everything, sends your, you know, immune system into overdrive, sends your cortisol shooting up, epinephrine, whatever it is, like you're just struggling to make it as a result of this one thing coming into your life. And that's the idea of being fragile or easy to kill and having that small allostatic load bucket. Resilient means harder to kill. Uh, Anti-fragile means um, a, a very large allostatic load bucket where stress can come in and keep coming in and keep coming in and it never overflows because you're seeking ease most of the time. And when you're not seeking ease, you can be seeking dis-ease, right? So like you need to be seeking ease most of the time, but have periods, short periods of hormetic stress, of being uncomfortable. And so it's a, it's a, a give and take. You don't want to be chronically in states of dis-ease or else you'll have disease. Um, so it's a give and take of, of largely seeking ease, but of being in states of, of uncomfortableness mm. and, and then finding, and when, when you're really skilled, like at the upper, upper echelon, it's when you get truly comfortable at constantly being uncomfortable. And that's your comfort zone mm. where you no longer complain about it or, say this sucks or wish this wasn't happening, but you actually relish it as like a challenge, as an exploration, as a way to understand yourself on a deeper level. And that's when you're at the truly the highest echelon. Mm. Wow. So well said. I really love that. Part of being resilient is incorporating certain routines um, into your life. And you have a, an interesting morning routine that I would love to learn about. And I would also love to learn how much time you would recommend somebody have or start some type of morning routine if, if they were just getting going and, you know, maybe waking up at three in the morning and journaling for four hours is, is not really something they're looking forward to. For sure. I, I once uh, interviewed Ben for a, a podcast I was doing, Ben Greenfield, and like he went into his whole routine and it was like a two and a half hour thing. And there was like <laughs> enemas on the bathroom floor. And I was like, Good God, like, <laughs> let, let, let's get, let's go through this scenario. This is so simple. Okay. Like we're the only species that deprives ourselves of sleep intentionally, where we stay up late at night, where we're watching TV or doing whatever, wandering around the house and, you know, refusing to go to bed. Of course, we're exposing ourselves to, to junk light, to blue light and all that stuff. And it's, you know, blocking the release of melatonin. So we're not getting tired. We're staying up later and eating, which is impairing our circadian rhythm. We should only be eating during that daylight window, according to Dr. Sachin Panda's data. So we're staying up super late. Then we're going to bed. And of course, you know, we're going to set our alarm clock as late as possible because we need our sleep. But we really don't care about our sleep or else we would get to bed on time. But we get up, we get up as late as possible and you might wake up to, you know, whatever it is, something that's jarring your cortisol, your epinephrine is shooting up. You're stressed out. You roll out of bed. I only have 15 minutes to get out of here. 
Uh, gotta let the dog out. Gotta grab some uh, food. I need uh, my brain cells are so tired. My neurons because I'm in that state of insufficient cellular energy, brain energy gap. So I'm going going to get some sugar, some caffeine because I'm just exhausted and literally they're firing slower. And so I'm just struggling to get out the door. I'm running late. Now I'm rushing in traffic. These jerks are cutting me off. I can't believe this. This is such a terrible day. I'm exhausted. Oh, am I going to make it through this day? And then I get to work. And of course, there's lots of emails. There's people talking to me, I'm distracted, looking at my cell phone. I need more coffee, another energy drink, maybe some kind of sugar. Am I going to make it to lunch? That's all I can think about is my lunch at this point. I'm so stressed. There's still more emails. And then I finally make it to lunch. I'm going to have pizza and a soda because I'm just tired. I'll get to something healthier tomorrow. It's called decision fatigue. And I'm just going to hang on until the end of the day. I just need to make it home. And then, of course, towards the end of the day, I'm just feeling exhausted. Still, I need something more. Let me go get a Snickers and a Coca-Cola out of the vending machine. Okay, let me jump in my car. I'm going to drive back home. Of course, there's traffic. This sucks. Now I finally get back to my couch, uh, lay down on the couch. I'm going to have a beer because I'm just burnt out. I need escape from this crap. I can't do this every day. I'm going to watch the ball game and Game of Thrones and whatever, and then um, I'm... uh, I'm up late again. That's the day. That's the day for most people. If you get to sleep on time and make it a priority and you wake up on time and give yourself time and instead of that alarm clock going off the way it does, let me walk you through this scenario where you can have a light slowly get brighter in your room. You can buy lamps that do this. And then you can have chimes come in that slowly get louder and closer together on an app or a device. And you slowly wake up with more light, some light chimes, and it's nice for your circadian rhythm. And now you do some box breathing, four to eight seconds. Let's say it's six seconds. And you go six seconds in, six second hold, six seconds out, six second hold. And do this about four times. About a minute, you know, has gone by, whatever it is, a couple minutes. And then I do some affirmations and um, just talk about all the amazing things that are that are happening. Um, some actually some gratitude first, maybe, uh, where I'm thankful for all the incredible things in my life. I'm thankful that I'm alive, I'm healthy, that I'm uh, I woke today that I have a dog next to me, that uh, I have a job to go to, I have a car that works. I have so many things to be thankful for in my life that I'm making an impact. And then think about all the things that uh, that I can do today with these affirmations. Like today is going to be an amazing day. I will make an impact on two people today. I'm going to meet a new person uh, this week. Um, I'm going to, um, improve my finances. I'm going to achieve this goal that's on my vision board of, you know, going to, um, some vacation spot that I'm dreaming of. And and I'm going to be one step closer to that by doing the following. And 
And then I, and then I get up, uh, do some light stretching, you know, get in my body and then I grab a glass of water and then I start my day. And this is like 10 minutes. I've done breath work. I've done gratitude. I've done affirmations. I've moved in my body and I've done some light stretching, um, and, and some hydration. And so, so simple. This is about 10 minutes. You know, this isn't even like red light and cold plunges and exercise and, you know, sun gazing and all that stuff, which is all awesome. But I'm talking about 10 minutes of making yourself a priority and really changing your day. And now when I'm heading into work, I have more gratitude. My pace is slower. I'm more present. And so I'm not so worried about traffic. I'm listening to a podcast that's edifying me. I didn't reach for the donut, for the coffee, for the, you know, caffeine. Like I'm, you know, I'm just hydrating and and feeling good. And then I get to work and, you know, I'm following the Tim Ferriss model where it's like, you know, I'm going to check my email at 10 a.m. But for the first two hours, I'm going to knock out one big project. That's Cal Newport's uh, deep work. And so now I'm super accomplished. I knocked out a major product uh, project, which two hours of focused work without getting distractions from uh, email and cell phone and notifications of social and whatever is more than most people accomplish all day in their work. Wow. If you have two hours of focused work mm-hmm. and then at 10 a.m., you know, I'm, I'm going to actually uh, maybe eat because I've done intermittent fasting and I just eat in this 10 a.m. to 6 uh, p.m. window. Mm. And then maybe when everyone else is going to lunch, I'm going to take an hour to go walking. And, uh, and then, you know, I'm not reaching for, for bad meals or snacks or, you know, vending machine garbage. And, you know, I'm going home and, and, uh, you know, maybe I don't go home. Maybe I spend time with friends or maybe I work on that project that gets me to that vacation or, you know, I work on um, another job uh, that I do, some side hustle or, you know, whatever it is. And I have energy for that. Mm. Um, you know, maybe I go work out, whatever it is, go go play volleyball. And then, you know, and then I come home in the evening and I get and I get to sleep on time. And like my day is extremely different from just that 10 minutes of prioritizing myself. Wow. When I think about that first scenario, the first thing that comes to my mind is why is this happening to me already? Like victim mentality, somebody cut me off. Why is this happening to me? And I think of the, the second scenario and how empowering it is. And you're making these decisions that are literally paying you back. It's like investing your money. You, they, they synergize together to, to give you more energy. It's, it's amazing. I, I'd love that you describe that. And it can start with just 10 minutes. That's so awesome. It's so reachable for most people. And, and all the, the amazing array of benefits that could come from that is, is staggering. It's so cool. It's such a great point uh, about the victim mentality. And that was a massive shift for me. And that's a huge shift to have more energy, to have the life you want, is to say the universe is always working on my behalf. Everything that happens is an opportunity. If you look at Elon Musk or Leonardo da Vinci or whoever your hero is, Michael Jordan or whatever, the reason that they do all these incredible things is they see opportunity where others don't. And they're not a victim. And they don't play that victim card. They see that that challenge as an opportunity and they thrive from it. 
And that's such a great point about victimization. Mm. Man, so cool. Um, you also talk a lot about the grind. Can you tell us a little bit about the myth of the grind? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. Uh, for me, you know, I, I bought into the um, Gary V hustle and grind kind of thing. And and hustle, yeah, you need to do that. You need to go chase things sometimes. That's being in that sympathetic nervous system state. But grind is ultra sympathetic. And grind means pieces breaking off. Heat and smoke means you putting your head down, you sacrificing for someday, somewhere, this will all be worth it. And it's not true. It doesn't have to be sacrifice. What I was talking about before sounds hard. But it's just hard at first. And it's about a mental shift of not being the victim, of believing the universe is working for you, believing there's opportunity and lessons in everything. And then it be, doesn't become draining. And it's just that shift that's important. But you don't have to sacrifice for some day. You can follow a path that is the hell yes and, the, and not the hell no. And it doesn't have to feel like sacrifice. And quite frankly, that when your head's down, you don't notice all the opportunity that's around you. And when your head's up, you're in the right place, right time, all the time. You're just usually heads down or distracted. When your head's up, you're seeing it. You're feeling it. You're talking to those people. You're, you're seeing them in need. You're saying like, oh, who's that? Let me connect with them. You're saying, oh, isn't that interesting? Let me write this down. Because your head's up. You're in the right place, right time, all the time. It's not some rare thing. It's not some one once a year thing. It's all the time. It's just we're too distracted all the time to notice. Mm. Man, that's beautiful. What a cool and very literal example of being in the moment and realizing that that can be your, you know, birthright, if you want to call it that. Um, it's as long as you are, you know, doing the noticing. You have revised your book on your own. You rewrote your book on your own. I'm not going to ask you to do that now. I am curious, since you published that book, is there something you feel like you overemphasized in the book? And do you feel like there's something you underemphasized in the book based on your current understanding? I don't um, overemphasize. No, I don't feel like there's anything that's overemphasized. Um, I feel like everything is just given its due and has um, relevance. I, the, the thing that I held back on that really radically changed my life and I think could have a huge impact, but I wanted to give it its own space, uh, was plant medicine. I just didn't want to like bring that into this book. You know, some, it might be polarizing for some, I wanted to really go in deep and not just, you know, lightly cover it because it's, it's a, it's a powerful and intense topic with evolving science and, and politics and religious implications. And, um, you know, it's, it's just hyper polarizing and, um, and I wanted to give it its space, but, and I didn't get into things like peptides that, that I wanted to cover, um, or stem cells and, and some of the more advanced things. And I've been thinking about coming out with a book that covers, peptides, plant medicine, and stem cells uh, in particular is kind of like some advanced next level things that like, okay, you're doing the energy formula. Like here's what could be the next level. Um, and, and what I've been doing since 
um, you know, putting all those pieces in the energy formula together. So I feel like, you know, the energy formula is like, is step one, but like step two, if you get that down is, is kind of what could be this next book. Mm, that sounds amazing. And something that we would love to do a deep dive with you on, um, maybe some other time, maybe we can get you back home when your, when your book's coming out, if you decide to go that route and we would love to deep dive into the supplementation, things you've learned, plant medicines and all that stuff. I find that stuff really fascinating and you're right, like a whole new level, whole new world of things that could be explored. Sean Wells, this has been an amazing conversation. We're really grateful for you and your work. Where um, should people go to find you and to connect with you? Yeah, so um, energyformula.com. You can find out all about my book. The first two chapters uh, are on there for free, both Audible and the electronic copy. Uh, Also is the Fasting for Energy Guide, the Hidden Chapter on Natural Movement, a recipe book, Q&As, a bunch of stuff that's free. Um, SeanWells.com, S-H-A-W-N-W-E-L-L-S, SeanWells.com has like my free newsletter. Again, just a bunch of science, cool studies, uh, what's going on with supplements. Um, and I don't sell anything. So it's just a a great weekly newsletter that you get free. And then, uh, at Sean Wells on Instagram, uh, you'll find me, um, with tons of great content, like, uh, like, um, infographics and, you know, on fasting, on keto, on various supplements, supplement stacks for immunity, you know, all kinds of things like that. So, yeah, I would love that. And and if anyone has any questions on here about what supplements they should use or or any questions like that, I'm available on direct message on Instagram. So hit me up. That's great. I would highly encourage the listener to go over there to both the website and the Instagram page because your content is very, very well done. Your infographics are super clean, really easy to understand. There's so much information over there. So definitely for the listener, go check out those resources. They're quite amazing. Sean Wells, like I said, so grateful for you. Thank you so much for everything you've done and for coming on our show today. We are really honored to have you on. Thanks, Casey. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio.